There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, hey, everybody, welcome to episode eight. Yeah. No, it's not 872. It's not. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode <laughs> 292. Don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really interesting number to choose, though. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of years. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's true. That's true. Let's see. How, how long would it take us to get there? Another, what is that, another oh, 500 episodes? Or uh, 600, yeah. 600 like episodes? About, what, what are we at, actually? Is it 292? 292. So 292. 600 episodes. In 12 years. Wow. I don't know. Um, will, will we have podcasts in 12 years? I don't know if any of them. Well, Jaime, you'll probably still be around in 12 years. I don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. We might not be around until the fall. Yeah, true. Um, all right. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 282 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. All right, he. So digging in, we got some fact I was talking about the Apple Store last week. Uh, I've forgotten the reference, but um, I had mentioned that it, I th- thought it was around 10 years old. It's actually 18 years old. It's coming up on its, uh, I guess a year from now, it'll be uh, its 20th anniversary. So it's uh, basically uh, May 19th, 2001 was when the uh, first two stores, I think, were opened by Steve Jobs back in the day. So that's the Apple Store. And uh, Jaime, ask him to, and did you put nothing that I could find here for the Ask Him DJC? Yeah, I didn't see any. <laughs> <laughs> preemptive. He's being preemptive. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's jump into How some have our uh, ratings been impacted by the virus? It's way down. Is it really? Way down. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Joe uh, privately on a DM'd him because um, I noticed our numbers are, are, they've been going down for a while, right? Like, mm. you know, like uh, even before the virus kind of hit. And, um, which was kind of concerning me, but yeah, they're, they're uh, let me just look at it right now. They're uh, quite a bit lower. No commutes, so I imagine folks yeah. don't have as much time to yeah. listen to podcasting. I know I've been calling my list uh, quite a bit more aggressively because I yeah. don't have as much time outside. 
So in January, we were roughly, I mean, the January episodes, we got roughly 2,000 listens by within a month, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, right up till February 23rd, we got a couple of couple of thousand. Um, and then, but then the like the weekly numbers have been going down. Um, subscriber numbers seem to be pretty much the same, like the ones who, who regularly download on day one, the ones who have an automatic download. Mm-hmm. But um, do we you know, have so, da- Is there a way of tracking listens versus downloads? No, I guess not. No, I guess not because it's not streamed. It's if they download it. According to Dan Benjamin, this is a, a more accurate way he does the stats, right? Because I think about a year ago or so, he changed them and, and they're much much more representative, he said. But, I mean, Apple keeps a stat on um, how like how long people stay on the episode, mm. right? Like, they, they'll count the number of, of downloads or connections or whatever, but they'll also tell you how much, like, and you can sort of gauge it, like, you can sort of see, like, a lot of people bail out after the for the after show, right? Kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. Well, not, not surprising, yeah. People have other things on their mind right now. Yeah, I other things on their mind and, and and i mean even my own like i like you know i don't think i listen to any podcasts this week mind you i've been listening to an audiobook i've been listening to that uh, audiobook by that apple engineer who worked on the original iphone you know so i've been listening to i borrowed that from the library and i've been you know every time i take the dog for a walk we listen to that because i usually listen to podcasts when i'm commuting or, or walking the dog right so well, i'm behind too on my own my own uh, my own podcast listening not surprising like you said anywho so jaime you have some um follow-up for us yeah this is follow-up to the new app updates that you would have normally needed to do by March 31st all around, um, you know, using newer SDKs when you're building and complying with um, I think stuff like sign in with Apple if you were an existing app and not a, not a new app because that one passed in the fall. Um, but the deadline for a whole bunch of that stuff has been extended until June 30th. So got a little bit of a breather just as a little sigh of relief during the pandemic. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they extended even further beyond that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a kind of a rough time for everybody. So I think they'd be a little bit more understanding that normal sort of operations have been disrupted. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the pandemic uh, or the COVID-19 uh, virus, Apple has last week came out with an app and a website uh, or, you know, to give people information around it. You can, uh, of course, the app's only available in the UI, United States, but for those of us in the rest of the world, there's a web interface you can use and, and it works on mobile just like it, I guess it would uh, on the app. And uh, I went through the test just to see what what it uh, what it tells you, um, ask you a bunch of questions about how you're feeling and you know kind of any signs and symptoms you might have and and whether or not you're uh, you should uh, go get yourself checked out. I, I passed with flying colors, so uh, you can all rest assured that this episode will get edited and out this week. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of cool that they've got this app to, to help people uh, with uh, you know to sort of you know, help with the knowledge, right? Because I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of stories going on around there, and people are I mean we're all sharing you know our own little wives' tales on on the social networks and stuff and you know i've heard lots of different stories over the, over the time right so and actually you know you know how you said we didn't have any ask mtjc earlier jaime um i did have an interaction with a couple of people about wearing masks on uh, on twitter through the podcast account um, a couple of weeks ago right so yeah it, it's the topic of conversation indeed on the twitters all right so what's next this one is a little bit of follow-up to my assertion uh, i don't know how many episodes a handful of episodes ago that a lot of stuff should really be open source and push for more and more things to be out there in the open and not reinvent the wheel. And I think my assertion at the time was stuff like, you know, political engagement tools, uh, just given the the snafu that had happened during the uh, Democratic primary in Iowa and other primaries. Um, as a follow-up, the uh, Elizabeth Warren for President tech team has open sourced a bunch of their tools. So irrespective of actual politics here, I think it's actually pretty nice that these tools are out here um, for future campaigns and they are under a 
very permissive MIT license, which I uh, personally enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the some of the apps are kind of cool. I was looking at them. Like one's a, I guess you could call it almost a chat mechanism for for uh, I guess one to one messaging. Um, you know, something like things about their polls and stuff like that. Yeah, and and clearly folks got an opportunity. You know, whoever developed these to to do some newer tech stuff. So the one you're mm-hmm. mentioning uses uh, Twilio as an API. Uh, Amazon Web Services Lambda and Aurora, both serverless um, functions mm-hmm. and database out there, and a whole bunch of other things. And they've got some, I think, progressive web apps and other bits. But it's, yeah, it's still it's again pretty stuff. neat. If you know, if I was going to do uh, you know Lopez 2024, I would probably start from here. And and why why start from ground zero when I could just build upon other stuff? So pretty nice. I'm actually yeah. kind of surprised that they built so much stuff custom and didn't just use off the shelf stuff. I mean, I have, I guess okay. I'm looking at for example spoke where they're saying it cost they ended up spending a whole lot less at one thirty second of the cost that they would have used if they had used a uh, third party vendor um interesting mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah i'm not really in the political campaign space so i don't know what competes with this yeah um, I don't know. i'd have to imagine something you know kind of more marketing campaign like hubspot would make sense just i've not had any experience but it would make sense given what i know what it does and it also would kind of make sense but probably be overkill to have this uh, customer relationship management like CRM type system like Salesforce. But I truly believe that there must be some Salesforce configuration out there that will do a lot of this, but it will also cost a lot of money, you know, enterprise grade type stuff. Yeah, I mean, to think about, I, I mean, I really don't know the size of your, your caucuses or whatever as well, but I would think that, you know, since it's a, a national campaign, you should probably had, you know, connections into you know, tens of thousands of people, right? That they would have to sort of communicate with on a regular basis, right? Imagine, imagine how the hard this would have been done when it was done by the phone, right? Back in the day. Yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, my next piece here is sort of a, a you know, a, a mea culpa from, um, not me, but Zoom doing a mea culpa about uh, their iOS app. Apparently, they were using the uh, Facebook uh, login um, as part of the Zoom app on iOS, and uh, they discovered that uh, the stats were going back, the data from users was going back to Facebook uh, unbeknownst to them, or I guess they didn't read the, the terms and conditions. But uh, they have uh, changed. Uh, uh, they've changed it recently. I guess you know, with with everybody working from home and using these kind of tools more and more, they've they've uh, basically updated to remove last Friday to remove the code uh, that was sending data to Facebook. And again, this is it didn't we didn't require. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, where you know some stats are getting captured about, about you even if you don't have a Facebook account. So uh, if you were using this tool, um, you were being you were being uh, cataloged and numbered. So I actually wonder if this has some something to do with the new Apple policy that they published in the recent update to the right. approval guidelines about, about MDM apps, where you are not allowed to send any third any data to third parties inside. And if your app is MDM available uh, enabled, that's, uh, um, what is it? Uh, You're talking about mobile device management? Not mobile. De- is it mobile device management? Yeah, yeah. it's mobile device, mobile device management. management. Okay. Any apps that are enabled with mobile device management, uh, you're not allowed to send data to third parties. So Zoom, I, I imagine, uh, would be used by some MDM-enabled vendors, or would, would be by MDM companies. Well, yeah, but Zoom is a publicly available app. I mean, this oh, I know, you know I, I know, I know. But they, but publicly available apps. Oh, you mean white labeled for for companies? No, 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 no. So the way the way MDM works with 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 various vendors is they just take the existing App Store version and re-sign it, so it can be downloaded oh, yes, through, through followed, the local yeah, store. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So if you put your app into the App Store and it's enabled with that capability, then it has to follow all the MDM rules, even though you're, you know, could be 99% of your users are, are using it just standard.
standard consumer approach through the app store, but you still have to follow the, the rules to get it approved. Gotcha. So right. it might have something yeah. to do with that. Uh, I also think it's a, the, the amount of load that Zoom is involved in now, too. All of a sudden, they've gone from being like, you know, uh, some people knew about them to just about everybody. I mean, people are using Zoom as, as a, a name for aspirin. I mean, I've been seeing some other things, too, like like somebody was saying today that Slack apparently has video video sharing. I didn't even know that Slack had that. You know, mm-hmm. so, And tools like MS Teams, they also have video sharing as well. You know, of course, it's WebEx and stuff that's used in the enterprise. But yeah, I think a lot of people are are, are finding out the, about Zoom and, and uh, Skype and things like that for, for having this kind of conferences. And I think now also, too, uh, schools, like in, at least in Ontario, are now going to online learning starting next week. So they're going to have to be looking at some sort of video conferencing tools to do that as well, right? And Zoom may be one of them. All right. Um, this is another interesting one. I, I realize this is an old story. This is about the MacBook Pro 16. And, and I stumbled across this uh, this reviewer when I um, was uh, um, uh, following uh, Renee Ritchie. He was talking about video video lighting. And she did a piece on, on uh, relighting her place. But uh, on the sidebar on YouTube, I noticed that she had done a review of the MacBook Pro 16. So I thought I would l- listen, watch it and see see what uh, what she's all about. Um, in fact, I don't know her name. Let me just open the YouTube here. It's something like Sarah Deaches or something like that because yeah yeah oh sorry yeah, yeah. sarah cheney i'm gonna go with something like that uh anyway she um she does uh, quite a few reviews of different things and it, it's interesting uh i've sort of followed the thread along uh, she switched away from mac uh, a while ago went to windows um and it's funny because she was using that acer computer i was talking about last week with the extra screen you know the the touch bar gone wild um but her uh her partners and her video producer both work on macbook pros uh and they're using the macbook pro 16 and um yeah i mean she at the, the funny part in the middle of the video she says you know the macbook pro is back and she goes these are the words coming out of my mouth you know like it's it's actually good again you know so uh they were knocking you know they were talking about how the keyboard is much more improved and the her video processing the uh the, the guy who does the actual video editing um uses the macbook pro like you do mark in, in sort of clamshell mode where he has it closed and has it you know uses a regular mouse and keyboard and mm-hmm. had like three giant monitors connected to it um, so yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, good review of the MacBook Pro and comparing things like if you watch the video, you'll see. But if you're comparing things like uh, processing, she's a Adobe Premiere user, so she was comparing um, similar similar type, like taking the same file in Premiere, running it on her on her Acer laptop, which is all souped up, you know, sort of similar, very similar specs to the to the MacBook Pro, uh, and doing like you know compile times, if you will, for like like I forget what you call it in video, but yeah, let's call it compile for sake of argument. And the Mac was doing things in half the time it was taken to do it on the uh, on the Windows machine. And in a number of tests, it wasn't like you know one odd one here and there, but it just seemed to be the MacBook Pro performance was was doubling the, uh, yeah. the Windows machine. I watched so. that review too; it's pretty amazing, actually. Some mm-hmm. of the, the specs she was showing. Yeah, she, was yeah. Doing, so, she rendered yeah. A, uh, some some large uh, some large document. I can't remember what it was. Like now, an, but, yeah, yeah. hour long video. Yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it took it took like over an hour on the on the Windows box and thirteen minutes or something like that on the on the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I think it was it was roughly fifty percent performance if, from what I remember. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely definitely interesting thing, interesting interesting review. I mean, she's not super she's not super fanboy about the Mac to begin with, mm-hmm. which is good. So from that perspective, so to see her um, give it a thumbs up, if you will, um, that uh, it was pretty good. Um, I, I didn't see whether she's reviewed the uh, the new MacBook Air, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Check it check it out. Good uh, good review. I've I've uh, clicked the uh, follow so I can see when she posts some more stuff. And we'll see what else she has to say for her. for our uh, world of a computers and stuff like that. Which takes us to speaking of video, Lemon Lopez Jr. has something for us. Yeah, apparently now on Amazon Prime Video, 
you can actually do the in-app rentals and purchases on your hmm. Apple devices, which if folks haven't done it in a while, because I've definitely seen enough people on Twitter get a little confused about this. Um, I guess you can't try it now because I would look like a liar, but trust me, <laughs> uh, you couldn't actually buy stuff within the apps. You would go onto the web, buy your content for, you know, like your Kindle or, you know, yeah. rent yeah. this movie or something through the web. And then you would have to go into the app and then, oh, look, magically it shows up in my account. Um, and mm. that was a long standing feud with Apple over uh, Apple wanting its 30% cut that it normally asks Oh, is for. that what it was about? Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. I had somebody um, on Twitter who was confused about Audible, which is an Amazon company yes, that does right. the, the audio books. Lino, they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. How, how come I can't find any dang books to buy? I was like, well, <laughs> let me let me teach you about this weird thing that Amazon is doing. But apparently, um, in, in another link that I have here, um, this is being done under what is called by Apple an established program that is mm-hmm. designed for premium providers and allows those companies to use their own payment methods and exist outside the App Store's financial system. And that's these platforms, yeah, that's you do new. stuff like, you know, series support, zero sign-in, other things. And it is only for individual purchases and not for subscriptions. So it's a lot to right. untangle there, but it is generally good from a usability standpoint that people can just straight up buy stuff straight in the app and not have to jump around through hoops. So I just checked the Amazon Books app and not the Kindle app, the Amazon app, and you still can't buy Kindle books through the Amazon app. So is this literally only for Amazon Prime Video? Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe oh, maybe, sure. the app, maybe they cut a deal. Amazon and Apple cut a deal that certain products they're going to be allowed to sell without the 30% cut. Or actually, is is it was it even possible to well we don't we don't know whether so I just I just bought a Kindle book the other day, so I'm kind of you I'm can kind of you can get it from the app. mobile web, but you can't get it from the Amazon app. Are you sure? Well, in the US at least. I don't know about I do have, I have a link in the crazy show. Canada. Note, <laughs> crazy lawless <Yeah>. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, um, this this yeah. this article here shows an example of uh, my current uh, contender for best picture of 2020, Sonic mm-hmm. the Hedgehog in 4K UHD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and for all those of you out there who are wondering what in the world I'm talking about, well, if you are aware of normal uh, Oscars, Academy Awards rules, movies have to be in the theaters for a certain number of theaters for a certain amount of time. And just given the way the 2020 is going and, you know, movies being delayed and, and postponed out of 2020 altogether or later till sometime. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the few that was out there in theaters and it made a lot of money. So there you go. Your best picture of the year. Sonic the Hedgehog, best actor, Jim Carrey. I'm calling it. So I don't know to, to follow up on what Mark was saying. Like I just bought a book off Amazon Prime the other day and I was on my phone. So I know I did that through there, but I buy stuff on Amazon all the time. But I think that you're, you're I think it's the way it's talking to the web API. Yeah. When you so, make the purchase. so there's, yeah, yeah. there's, so there's Thing, there right? is the web API for for sure in the browser. You can buy. I anything. can't go into the Kindle app and buy a book, for instance. Is what you're well, saying? Well, you can never too, buy right? from the Kindle app, but there is also the yeah. Amazon app actually, where you can buy you can buy and order any physical product in exactly the same right. way that you do it from the website. Right. But you can't buy Kindle hooks. Well, you can buy. I bought a, I bought a Kindle book, but I, like I said, I think it's talking to the web API. Yeah. Not it's not like within. The, it's not an in-app purchase. Is what we're talking about, right? Or so is that what we're talking about, Jaime? In-app purchase. Uh. 
I, I, well, I mean, maybe it's different in Canada, but for sure in the U.S., it's always been this way, and it's always been kind of an odd thing, and it's clearly because of the Apple rules. But, but yeah, if you use if you use the website in a browser, then you can order, you can buy Kindle books from Amazon, but you cannot do it through the Amazon app. So I'm going to go way back in time, even mm-hmm. before this podcast started, mm-hmm. right? Because I remember when Audible came out, yep. right? And Audible is is now, it's, I think they were acquired by Amazon at some point along the way there, but mm-hmm. I think at the time they were they were separate. And there were a number of apps like that where you could you could go into the Audible app and you could buy a book in the Audible app, right? And there was a big argument between Apple and developers saying you cannot, like they, they, they said you can't use the iOS platform to sell things to customers. Right. And they forced Audible to make people have to go to the website to buy books, which is what Jaime's solution to Lena was about today, right? Um, and because that, that was the case, right? And to this day, like, you know, you, you set up, because again, it was a, it was a, you know, I think it's, for me, it's like $14 a month to have an account and then you get like so many credit, you get a credit per month and you get to download a book for free, but you still have to go and make that selection through their web interface, which I always found really annoying. But I do remember when when Audible first started up, you could buy uh, the book, you could make the selection, you had, they had like a little store within the app, but they were forced by Apple and a number of other yeah. um, people were forced to take that out. So what are we arguing about? Apple was, so it's the same with well, Amazon. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like what, what I'm saying though is Apple, Apple said, like, the, I'm saying in the dawn of, at the dawn of time when iOS was a baby yeah. or iPhone OS was a baby, sure. um, you could buy things within apps. But Apple was the one that put their foot down and said, no, you can't do that because we want a piece of that pie, right? Sure. And yeah, they made exactly. people like Amazon go set up a, a store outside of, of, and they shot themselves in the foot in the long run, right? Um, you know, and so, and it's been a, it's been a broken experience like Lena experienced today that, uh, you know, that, you know, she had to go to the, to the store like an animal, like on the website and, and buy the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've known, I always found that kind of odd. And, and, you know, when they announced, I think it was last year at WWDC, they talked about having this sort of in-app purchase thingy coming back, right? Like what we're talking about today, right? With, with Jaime, with the buying of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is that you're, so you're buying the movie within, you're buying the rental or you're renting the movie within the, the are we talking about Amazon? Yeah. Amazon so I just app? fired up the Amazon video Amazon Prime, right? app and yeah, and I got very similar to this, uh, this article, which we will have linked in the show notes. So those of you driving at home, I got the little pop-up that said movie night just got better. You can actually buy stuff within this app. And I was able to find Sonic the Hedgehog and also uh, Birds of Prey in the Fantabulous Emancipation. Ooh. <laughs> Birds of Prey in the Fantabulous Emancipation. Well, Birds of Prey in Canada. Of yeah. one Harley Quinn. You can buy on uh, Amazon for $19.99 or you can, oh, well, you can buy the HD or the SD version. Both are $19.99. So let your conscience be your guide. But the fact is you can, you can purchase stuff within there directly, which is something you couldn't do until uh, today, I guess. I'm looking at Birds of Prey in um, on my Canadian version of Amazon.ca, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, if it's Amazon.ca, you're in a br- are you in a browser? I'm in their stupid app. I have an app, like you know. an iOS app. That, okay. That runs. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it's this is, looks like a physical good because it says um, uh, okay. it's got Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K are my choices, right? Right, but there's no... Oh, wait, 4K, would that be streamed? No, that'd be a 4K disc, right? Well, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah. It, well, it's I also confusing because if, if, you, if you're in the normal Amazon retail app, um, it would show you things like, oh, buy, uh, you know, for Blu-ray and, you know, buy the book and other things. Um, I don't recall what they did, if any, for purchasing yeah. the Yeah, so the for, video. for books, what they do, I, I don't know about video, but for books, what they do is they let you download a little preview, like mm-hmm. a couple pages, and then have a link. Well, they don't even have a link, but they say you have to go to the to the website to buy this for the Kindle version. I'm confused. 
confusing. I'm going to click on your link, Jaime. I will yeah. show you. Okay, what's the thing? You have a link in the in show notes, right, Jaime? What, what's the actual thing that you're looking up, Jim? Let me see. Mm-hmm. We're having our senior moment here, Jaime. Just bear with us. Yeah, it, it, it's important <laughs> to, to note that the Amazon video app has always acted a little bit differently. Yeah. Oh, so this is not oh, so it's an Amazon video app, okay, like a Prime app or whatever, right? Yeah, I don't recall what the behavior was in the Amazon Yeah, I have the Prime app, app on my TV. I could probably try it out there later, I guess, right? What What's the uh, video we're talking about here? I want to look uh, up the same You one. can search for and find either Sonic the Hedgehog or uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, I'm downloading the Prime video app. That's what you're talking about, right, right Jaime? Yes, I'm going to try this okay. on the retail app, too. Yeah, the retail app, I only seem to get physical physical uh, choices. Okay, so in the Amazon app, mm-hmm. it shows me Blu-ray for sale, mm-hmm. shows me Prime Video. This item is not available available for purchase from this app. Mm-hmm. Which is weird and seems like a bug because when I tap on it to see the entry, apparently it gives me a buy HD for 1999 option. I'm afraid to, to tap this button because I don't want to actually buy Sonic the Hedgehog for 1999, but mm. um, it is very strange. I, I, I do see the difference between the list view, which is telling me that I can't buy it, but then yeah. the detail view is like, press this buy button, please. That's interesting. Yeah. So this is what I'm talking about. This app here, right, Jaime? On, on the, if you look on Slack, under MTJC? Yes, that's the app, the, the Prime Video. It's got a blue logo. Okay, let me try this guy. Probably make me log in like an animal. Okay, I'm uploading the screenshot for the list view. Like, I have a Prime account, so I can, I guess I can watch movies in here too, right? Yeah, you would get whatever comes with your, your Prime membership. Rambo, Last Blood. Is that a good one? No. Yeah, these these movies look like all movies that are already out or already in Prime. What did I watch the other day? Oh, I watched uh, Judy in Prime the other day. You know, the Judy Ga- Judy Garland movie? With Renee Zellweger? Yeah. All right, so I threw in the Slack the list view, which claims this item is not available for purchase from this app. Oh, and I just the, put that in too, yeah. And the detail view, which says, go ahead yeah, and buy it. Yeah, I saw the same one, yeah. Well, that mo- that movie's not out yet, right? Oh, dang it. I did I did it in response to Tim's thing, so now it's hanging around the Spotcast one. All right, well, just believe me, Mark. Spotcast. Oh, oh you have a Spotcast? <laughs> What's threw, that? threw it in the wrong channel. I see. What's Spotcast? Yeah, so you, but you can, in the Prime app, you can buy a movie, Jaime, is what you're saying? In the Prime Video app? That's what it looks like, which is new, certainly for Prime Video. What's unclear to me is what the behavior was on the Amazon retail app. Let me search for Birds of Prey, right? Maybe. Birds of, oh, Brides of Prey. It's a different movie. Is Sonic out already? On video? It says early access for this in Birds of Prey. Moving on. What good news has Apple got for us? Yeah, so very similar to the month of March where Apple Card holders could skip their, or defer, I should say, defer their March payment. And they're allowing folks to defer the April payment as well. So you can do that without accruing interest. You do need to enroll in the customer assistance program. So does that mean if I deferred it in March, I can also defer it again in April? That's my understanding. And it's better to say that it's defer and not skip. I believe right. you still owe the money. They're just saying... You don't have to worry about it for now, given the pandemic and people having, you know, economic insecurity. But it's not like they're saying, oh, we have forgiven the debt. You will still pay it at some point. You just won't accrue the interest you would normally have when you don't pay. Now, we should point out to the listeners to the show that today is April 1st, and we're not kidding. Um, but, you know, that being said, I think a lot of there's been a lot of stories today about the rent check being due um, from both perspectives, from from people who are renting and, you know, and having to to you know, plead on the mercy of their their uh, landlords, but there's also landlords who are saying, "But yeah, but I got a mortgage to pay, and so on and so forth." So it's kind of interesting to see how this is playing out. That uh, you know, uh, I was concerned that when this day came by, um, what would happen to a lot of people if you know their landlords said, "You got to pay, or else," you know, especially since a lot of people, and we'll talk about that later, have been laid off, right, mm. or let go in a lot of cases, right? It's a tricky so, thing, and I I don't know what's going to happen around the world, 
but here in the states, the Fed is working to you know deal with interest uh, interest rates to keep the economy going, and the U.S. government is doing a, has signed a stimulus package and is supposed to be sending out paper checks and direct deposits for digital deposits for two folks. There are a whole bunch of caveats that go into that that I'm not super privy to and won't go into for for pretty good reasons, but that is part of the approach to keep the economy from from going down or at least going down worse than it would without help. Right. Yeah. 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 We have a similar thing in, in Canada. Their, their uh, prime ministers put out a couple of uh, um, ideas and, um, you know, people can apply for, for relief. And uh, he's pulling, he's calling the other parties to come back and form parliament and get these bills passed through so that we can help people out. But yeah, I'm, I'm just concerned about like, you know, like we've, I think we've talked about on the show, about the grocery, sh- grocery stores, you know, being limited. And, you know, here in Canada, you have to keep six feet apart from each other or here in Toronto anyway, Ontario. Um, so it's this sort of, people are learning sort of this new way of, of dealing with things and people. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's a tough time for everybody, I think, right? Yeah. Last you, last Sunday, I went to Safeway, which is our supermarket yeah. here at 6 a.m. when it first opened, uh, thinking that it might not be that crowded. So that would be right. a good time to go. Uh, plus, you know, that's when it first opens, they have the best stock. And while the latter was true, the stock was pretty good. Uh, the, the idea that it wouldn't be crowded was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was packed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else had the same idea. Yeah. And are they basically letting like certain number of people in at the time or? No, there were, there were no issues getting in. I mean, there was a line out front and people were spaced out in line, but that yeah. wasn't controlled by the store. That just kind of happened, which was a good yeah, thing. Organically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, we even had a crazy guy walking up and down the line telling us how it, this was a Freemason virus and, and don't be fooled. Yeah. I've heard yeah. that too. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that people are thinking that this, this is all fake news, yeah. right? But yeah. So I haven't been to the grocery store myself yet, but Carol's been going, you know, every couple of days. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me that it, it's interesting now because, again, they're only letting like 50 people into the store at one time and they've got the whole experience roped off. Like mm. when you start to go down the aisles, you can only go down the aisles in one direction. Oh, interesting. Right. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're spaced apart. And um, wow. And, and then people are people like, because I mean, you know, yeah. So so they basically you've got this one way travel. You get you head down an aisle, you know, you can't stop and change your mind and turn around, go back the other way, kind of thing. You have to just keep going that to one direction. That's actually a great idea because we don't, we didn't have any of that. And there was this all, there's always, you know, it's bad enough in regular times when people are stopped to pick up, to fill up their carts and you can't get by, but it's especially bad now. If there's somebody stopped with the cart, then you have to go You're around them or you have to wait. It's like a traffic jam. Yeah. 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 So I mean, she was saying like, you know, when you go to get, when you go to the fruit section, you kind of, you, you sort of like, you're channeled down like, like cattle down like a particular a route. You can't, you know, go yeah. here, there, and wander around like you normally would, mm. like a crazy person. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's kind of all streamlined that way, right? So I think you, you know, I mean, it's funny because as a shopper, she's a wanderer. She likes to just go in and hang out and check things out and stuff like. And I'm kind of like, I'm going here, 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 you know. So that's kind of my shopping style. But uh, you know, yeah. So it's it's uh, the the people who like to go to the grocery store and just hang out and check out stuff. You know, they're not going to be able to do that, right? So, but yeah, it's interesting. Interesting how we're. I've also noticed walking the dog in the morning that. Um, you know, I, since I've not been going to the streetcar, you know, I'm not getting my steps in kind of thing because I'm working from home. So she suggested I take the dog for a walk first thing in the morning before I, you know, check into work and, and uh, get my steps in that way. And I've noticed just walking the dog that, you know, you, you'll start down this, like I, I live in a neighborhood with big long sidewalks, right? And um, long stretches without any any um, break in the roads, right? And um, you'll be walking down the road and you'll look at somebody else and they'll kind of look at you and you're kind of playing chicken, you know, with this virus, you know, and who's going to who's gonna step <laughs> who's gonna off move? the curb? first kind of thing 
And lately, it's just like, yeah, you, you just see somebody coming the other way. And, you know, if they're a stroller or whatever, you just take the dog and you cross to the other side. And, you know, you say hello to them from a distance. And that's kind of sort of it, right? So hmm. that's kind of the new normal. Very strange. The dogs don't get it. The dogs are like, hey, how come I can't go sniff that guy's butt, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, as they like to do. So weirdness. Anyway, I, coming back to Apple, it's good that Apple has at least, you know, given us some relief, right? Right. So, honey, what do you got for us next? Next part is uh, in our, our main topics. So a couple things related to pointers that are new in iPadOS 13.4. Uh, first one up is an article by uh, Peter Steinberger over at uh, PSPDF Kit talking about supporting those pointer interactions. So you, you get a lot of stuff sort of out of the box that Apple does for free. But mm-hmm. depending on your, your UI, you may not get some of the nifty things that you want. Like, for example, a UI button, you know, has some stuff that, that ends up working with it. But if you're using, um, you know, other things like UI uh, bar button item. Oh, sorry. I actually have that backwards. If you're using UI bar button item, you would get some stuff for free, but UI button would not get some stuff for free. So hmm. getting the, the magic, you know, cursor changing the way it would um, and looking really snazzy. So apparently there is a uh, is pointer interaction enabled property that's checked on iOS 13.4. It can give you that. I think it provides, it's, it's really hard to get a sense of how that looks and feels differently on uh, on audio. We'll have the, the link in the show notes for, uh, for GIF viewing purposes. And you can do this for other views too. Yeah, I was just inspired by you. I just uh, opened up for real-time follow-up my uh, device tracker app, which is the app that I always update for uh, the OSs when they come out. And um, so I've, you know, I've now got the large type and the large um, text handle or text titles and that kind of stuff. And I've just, because I'm glad that I used UI bar button items because as I hover over them, they're converting from the circle thing into the little square, you know, and, and they can jiggle the, the little icon. So I know it's an interaction point, uh, which is kind of cool. And when it, when I hover over the table rows where you can enter in text, um, I'm noticing that the uh, the cursor is changing in t- from a circle into that little, little I-beam, you know, without without my having to do anything. So that's cool. I kind of got all this for free, so which is nice. Yeah, and you can return your own uh, custom cursors too. And he gives an example of like rotation or resizing handles where you would show something a little bit different and custom to what you realize doing. So you have a new delegate mm. that gets called and tells you the pointer region, and you can decide what sort of cursor you want to show. And he also gives some tips here on like things you know not to do, like like don't change your cursors too rapidly because it looks weird. Right. And, right. and try to understand what your UI looks like if somebody disables the pointer animations, you know, for um, preference or maybe accessibility reasons. And yeah, just pretty good tips. I don't know a lot about how uh, some of this stuff ends up working, but it is pretty neat to see uh, it in, in action here. So Tim, in your, in your app, you have both an iPad and an, and an iPhone version, right? That's correct. Universal. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. you made you didn't make any changes, but it on the iPad, you see all this new stuff on the iPhone. It just looks exactly the same. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing uh, we, did, we were talking about this at work today too, because there is no mouse support or trackpad support that I could figure out on the phone. Right. 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 So, like, uh, and and so I posted a picture today because I've been using my. I have one Magic Trackpad too, the you know the one with the glass top on it, and I normally have it used. It's connected to my main Mac, which is my house Mac. But mm-hmm. I've been using my iPad for when I'm when I'm at the office and doing air quotes. Um. So, so I I like to plug my uh my trackpad into the into the iPad, and I discovered today I found my old USB to Lightning adapter, which I use for MIDI. And I so I plugged I so during the day I just plug in the 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 iPad with a Lightning cable and and this USB adapter, and um, because you know the, the it now supports USB on the iPad, um, and I get to you know use the iPad the trackpad for free. And but coming back to your question, yeah, so um, you know I've got basically the the split view controller, and so on the one side I've got 
got on the left hand side, I've got like the list of, of devices that you're storing in Device Tracker. And then on the right hand side is your detail view, right? So it's a master detail view app. Um, but I've got like an edit button and a, a, a new button with the plus symbol. I've got the share icon and I've got some other buttons across the bottom for other, other interactions. And so when I hover over those with the mouse, I'm getting the free, you know, uh, as you look at the video that we've got on this uh, article at the top there, um, as he hovers over the icons, they kind of, um, they turn into like, uh, like it converts from a circle to a little square guy, right? You see that in the video? I'm getting that for free, which is great. I, you know, I just thought while Jaime was talking about this, oh, I should check out Device Tracker and see what, see if I got any work to do. And I, looks like I have very minimal amount of work to do. I'm just wondering, without having dug into the new code uh, documentation, mm -hmm. uh, how do you implement this for a custom control in a universal app? So obviously you have to use all these well, is, is, pointer is, is interactions. Available, right. right. There's UI pointer interaction. You have to implement that. Uh, but do you have to use add availables or something to select this as iPad only? Or can you just like put it in everywhere? And if it's an iPhone, it just ignores it. That's that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. I'm looking at the docs now. It doesn't say anything about having to screen for being the iPad. So probably... Well, I mean, you can talk about your, your next pick since we're just going to go over there anyway. <laughs> well, the other thing that sort of pairs up nicely with this is that Apple has released updated human interface guidelines, the HIG, talking about the pointers on iPadOS and describing some of the new sort of effects that you end up having, like lift, hover, and highlight, and how the pointer magnetism ends up working. So something for folks to take a look at if you're going to really get into the, the pointer stuff and try to understand how it impacts your app. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how that does work, Mark, because you actually what you're saying, like, you, can, you can't, there's no sort of, this is iPad OS versus iOS. Yeah, right? I'm looking at the code samples now in the first document that you were just talking about, Jaime, and, and it is using, if pound available, iOS 13.4 to screen out these or to select these uh, enable pointer interaction type things. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're not differentiating between the iPhone and the iPad. So I'm guessing that if it's an iPhone, it just ignores all of it. It does nothing, I guess. Yeah. Which is kind of kind of an interesting thing. So we've we've been talking, it goes back to something we've talked about. Everything is always is follow-up, right? Uh, it goes back mm -hmm. to what we've talked about is, you know, what is iPad OS? Is it really a separate thing or is yeah. it not a separate thing? And it kind of looks like it's not so much a separate thing it, because it's it's just sort of extra extra uh, methods or extra classes that are in iOS. They're just, they just don't do anything, I, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, it's, the enable pointer interaction would do nothing on, on a phone, right? Right, right, right. Is this, no, this is something he's written though, right? Well, yeah, that particular thing is something he's written, but but he has, for example, uh, there's that button is pointer interaction enabled, right? Is That that looks like a, a real property of a, of a UI button. Uh, and UI button's available on iOS, of course. Uh, and in fact, they're saying if found available, iOS 13.4 and that, that run that command. So it looks like UI button has this new, has these new properties and, and just, they're just, they just don't do anything on the iPhone. And, and that's what iPad OS is. It's just some extra stuff in iOS. It's interesting. So I'm like this, like this UI pointer, the UI, UI pointer interaction delegate. Like if you, if you conform to that, mm -hmm. it would do something on iPhone, iPad, but it would ignore it on iOS, right? I'm presuming, yeah, it would never get called. Nothing would ever get called, um, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I there's know. a similar thing that comes to sort of tickling my memory. Do you remember the, um, oh my gosh, what is it called? Is it like drag and drop on iPad? Mm -hmm. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So yeah. the iPhone 
was told to just not deal with right. that, right? Yeah, like you could yeah. drag and drop within an app and you could use that, but you couldn't drag and drop stuff from other apps. Right. And people were like, why not? And there were people who did um, little cracks, uh, jailbreak type things. And it was like, oh yeah, all I have to do is just tell this one line. Hey, if I'm on iPhone, just continue on your merry way mm. to not do that. And you could get really cool stuff like that. So I assume this is working very similarly where, yeah, you can't opt into it as an iPhone app, but you also conversely don't have to worry about it accidentally breaking something because, you know, it seems right. like the, the, the fundamental support is meant for iPad OS, even though you're not expected to guard against that yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is kind of a weird thing because you, you do now have a code base with a lot of code that is maybe running or is maybe not running depending on the device. I mean, I, I even wonder how, how do they do it under the hood? Do they just in the, when they, when they compile for, well, if it were bit code, they could, they could, they could choose to leave out certain things, right? They could leave out any, any, if it, if they know they're compiling for an iPhone, they could, they could choose to leave out all of those commands in the final code. But it almost seems like that could, that could break stuff, uh, right? What if you have inside one of these methods, for example, you have a, something that changes some state variable that matters on both the iPad and the iPhone. So they have to run the code. It just, just doesn't do anything, I guess. I don't know. It's all kind of, it's all guesswork at this point. Anyway. Yeah, as usual, yeah. nothing's changed in, yeah. in 10 years. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's changed. Good old Apple. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get that. They got these tools. It looks, it, I mean, it looks pretty, it's a pretty slick implementation. It makes, it makes your, your app look like you're paying attention when, you know, to the end user when in your fact you've done nothing, you know, mm-hmm. other than, other than stay within the guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I had done custom buttons and stuff like that, you know, I might have run into issues with these, these interactions, right? But what's next, Jaime? What's, what's the big news of the day? What's the weather like? Uh, no, no blue skies ahead. Only, only dark skies for dark sky app enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a, there's a silver lining to this cloud here. So Apple has acquired the weather app dark sky mm-hmm. and it is uh, going to sunset the Android app and is going to sunset the API as well. So the API for dark sky powers a ton of weather apps out there. Oh, so, really? Wow. So the loss of the Android app is kind of the smaller impact than it is to both Android, iOS, and I assume web apps that use dark sky underneath the covers. Wow. Okay. That is big news. So do we, do we know who dark sky are? Like who, where they're from? And you know, if I was a journalist, I probably would, but I have none of those details down. (laughs) Just going off of what's here in the doc. Well, the reason I ask is because I have a friend who has a pretty popular weather app and I don't remember the name of it. I think he's down, he just moved down to the States like a few years ago, but there's some alternatives like carrot that is out there that supposedly uses dark sky under the covers, but they're already evaluating uh, Mm. switching over to other providers. Oh, wow. It says copyright Apple incorporated already on the, on the website. Yeah. So I guess, you know, when, when an app gets replaced by, when a third party app gets replaced by something that Apple creates, we've called it Sherlocking. What do we, what do we call this absorption? Is it, is it workflow? Aqua hire, isn't it? (laughs) It is an aqua hire, but is it workflowing? That's it. What happened before, right? The workflow app became right. Yes, um, yes. Uh, shortcuts. So, what's going to happen to the old Apple Weather app, which which is actually kind of a cool app? I always thought. I assume mm. it's going to get. Um, I don't know if it'll be replaced, but certainly enhanced by some of the things that Dark Sky would do, which is like, hey, it's going to rain in the next twenty minutes, and then ten minutes later, it'll be fine. Versus now, which is like, hey, three and four p.m. looks like rain. Okay, <laughs> helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes not. Where it's like, oh, it's totally fine. I'm like. No, I can actively see it raining out my window right now. Uh, whereas Dark Sky has been um, historically better about that. I'm not saying it's perfect, nothing is, but I think you know. Apparently, Apple felt that it was good enough to acquire, and anecdotally, seems to be good to me. 
it's kind of a limited utility here in the Seattle area where it's like, it's raining. It's like, yes, raining. it is. <laughs> yes, it is, sir. <laughs> Constantly raining. But I need yeah, but you, never, is, you never have a blue sky, though, do you? It's beautiful. No, <laughs> blue sky is nothing, man. We, we get like three weeks of that here. Yeah, yeah. I need to know, you know, how many how many gallons or I guess maybe uh, maybe liters. I could, I could switch to liters and start learning that. Interestingly yeah. enough, it's still priced at three ninety nine on the App Store. Yeah, there was something complicated where it was going to stay in the App Store for a while. Um I don't know. I, I can't remember. It was like weirdly complicated. I think the API gets sunset. At, uh, does it say here in this article? End of 2021, the Android app is being discontinued. Android and Wear OS app being discontinued July 1st of 2020. And But wouldn't you think Apple would just make it free? They're going to keep it on the App Store? I just don't quite understand why they're keeping it up there unless it's like um, Workflow, which I think remain on the App Store until the switch over for... Uh, was it like iOS 12 or 13, whenever that came out? Mm. And then your workflow app just became shortcuts app. Yeah. Yeah. But workflow was free though. Right. Okay. So I've just gone to the, the way back machine. I'm just going to see if I can dig around a bit and figure out where these guys are or who they are. From what I recall, I think everything that I had in the workflow app migrated over seamlessly into yeah, the yeah, shortcuts exactly. yeah, app. Yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. this is sort of a, a happier path for, all right, if you're on, uh, let's say iOS 13 and you're a user of dark sky, you'll continue to use it. Oh, they're from Cambridge, Mark. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spent a lot of time there. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah. yeah. I bought a book there. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not surprised that they left it on the store. I'm just kind of surprised that they are still charging four bucks for it. Doesn't seem like an Apple thing to do. That is weird that they didn't just flip Make it, it to free. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, right away. Yeah. yeah. Well, it just happened today, didn't it? Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It looks like it started out as a Kickstarter project, too. Interesting. Good to know. Cool. And okay. How many go? One more. One more. And this is more rumor, but it seems like there's some, there's some, oh, yeah, uh, this is pretty interesting reality story. here that uh, iOS 14 is going to enhance, supposedly going to enhance the iCloud keychain mm -hmm. into something, as this, as this article claims, is more akin to a one-password or last-pass competitor. So they'll add in the uh, two-factor authentication options. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's the, uh, the like the TOTP options, time-based time, time -based one, time-passwords support, and also the uh, change-your-password type recommendations. Right. Like the Watchtower thing that they have in, um, I think it's called Watchtower, the, um, mm -hmm. in one password where they, they keep track of who's been pwned and things like that and they recommend you uh, like they have they give you warnings if you use duplicate passwords and they, they uh, give you warnings if you're on a site that's been compromised to update your your password which I find is really nice um, yeah, yeah. there's some nice quality of, of life stuff there that's pretty good um, I think it's a little weird to call it uh, one password and a last pass competitor because mm -hmm. my assumption is this feature will continue to only work in the Apple ecosystem right so if yes. you have a need for your passwords anywhere else else like you know a windows machine an android device or yeah. if you're you know using something at work um that doesn't allow you to bring your apple devices in you're mm -hmm. going to need uh, one password it or wouldn't work pass. in a place like that though come on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'd be surprised. I've had to give recommendations for for stuff like that. I think Evernote yeah. is a similar one, not for password reasons, but a well, you could at least access this from your your browser and continue to save your notes and then have it synced to your device. Right. Um, I will also uh, throw some shade at uh, the Verge here for for this statement here. Like uh, this could be good news for people eager to avoid pricey subscription services. Really, last, one password and last pass charge upwards of you know thirty five dollars for annual access. 
I'm like, uh, you know, it's not many dollars per per month for absolute security. Hello, yeah, yeah. It's it's rounded <laughs> thirty thirty six, you know, for for reasons and call it you know yeah. twelve, and then year per month is you know four dollars there. That's it's not it's not a lot for how good it is at doing its job. So uh, the I, I do we have long since lost the race to the bottom, but I think calling stuff like thirty five dollars, which was a laughable uh, bargain bin price when software was packaged is uh, is absurd that was a completely unnecessary addition here hmm. so shame on nick stat at the verge for for claiming that because yeah yeah you know there's there's fine mighty fine people in canada making very secure software for us so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah friends of the show already yeah yeah i mean I've, I've been using one password for a long long time i've forgotten how long it's been but uh i love it i got thousands and thousands of passwords stuck in my one and i'm putting all kinds of stuff in there now you can store questions you know your security questions for websites in there and passports and library, you know, software licenses. It's all kinds of crazy stuff beyond just, you know, my Safari passwords, right? Um, yeah. And I've actually started moving some of my passwords that I do, that are stored in the keychain into, into like manually moving them over into 1Password just because I like the convenience of, like you said before, having them at my fingertips no matter what device I'm on, whether iPad, iOS, or in the browser, right? So And far away from home as well. So I guess we'll get to our picks part of the show. Um, and this is going to be a pick-a-rama because I've been, you know, I've been bored. And, you know, i got to admit, I've been sitting at home, you know, collecting uh, collecting picks. Um, but the first one's kind of a tangent, right? And, and then we, we do talk about audio on here uh, quite a bit. I don't know if you guys have checked these things out, but I just found out about this on the weekend, this thing called 8D Audio, sometimes called 9D Audio, sometimes called 3D Audio. Um, I'm not, it's something that's being done by professionals. Um, and what, it, it does sound quite different. Like if, you, if you've taken a chance to listen to one of these tunes, we can take a break and do that. Um, that I've got listed here. I've got one virtual barbershop, which is not a not a music piece, but it's sort of a it's almost like a Cheech and Chong sketch where you've got one guy in the right speaker and another guy in the left speaker, and they're doing things like they're cutting your hair, and you hear the sounds of the the, the clippers around your ears, and one guy will be like, oh, "I'm way over here on the left hand side," and I'm way over here on the right hand side, and and as they're doing that, um, it it's very you know you very you feel definitely with the way they've they've uh, they're using like a binaural audio technique to uh, to to make that happen, but they're also taking popular songs like I've got Billie Eilish's Bad Guy uh, song here and you know there's like Stairway to Heaven and a bunch of Pink Floyd things and it's very gratuitously panning from left to right like it's almost annoying right um, but it does give you that sort of 3D sense and so um, I encourage people of the show maybe I'll put a clip in the in the, uh, in the in the show so people can hear the difference but yeah you definitely want to put uh, headphones on or earbuds on uh, and sit back and you know put your head back here comes the drill listen to this stuff and see, see what you think about it I don't know if you've have you had a chance to listen to it, Mark, and yeah. give your impression? What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I don't think it's actually new, though, is it? I mean, it's been around uh, No, it's for been around for a while, yeah. but I just I just heard about okay, it. Okay, yeah, know? yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah. It, I, I think that the idea has been around for, for a long time. Maybe it's just becoming more prevalent now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I even wasn't, wasn't uh, OpenAL kind of the same kind of concept where you could place mm-hmm. you could place sounds anywhere in a, your perceived 3D space? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I, so I don't know. I don't know exactly. Well, it's not a, not a new idea definitely yeah, no yeah. no yeah i used to have a friend and in, in, i lived with a, a guy in university who had this macintosh stereo like not spelt with a name mc right yep, yep. and it's a very high-end uh system and, and he had his turntable was like half inch glass platter so it was super solid which is apparently the best thing for vinyl vinyl records right and we'd put on things like yes right and you know he had the speakers were so amazing and so good that you could you could close your eyes and you could see like in your mind you could see where 
the musicians were. Mm -hmm. And this is also not a new thing, because I know when the Beatles first started recording in stereo, they would put John and Paul way over on one side, and Ringo and the bass player on, on the completely other side, like so and like very distinctly separated, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, like this, this sort of visualization of, of where the instruments are in the room is not a new idea. In fact, we even had quadraphonic stereo at one point, right, where, you know, I think it's a quadraphonic version of Dark Side of the Moon out there somewhere, and a few and tubular bells and things like that, right? So it's not a new idea to put place. In fact, for those of you listening to the show right now with headphones on, you'll notice that Mark is in the center channel, I'm over on one side, and Jaime is over on the other side, because every single episode of More Than Just Code has been in stereo for six years, because I'm just like that guy. We're right? groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll put out an AD episode just to freak people out, right? <laughs> Once I figure out how to do it. Oh, but, man, it's yeah. going to be so wild where you hear us in one area, and then the next statement that I say, I'm like, creepily yeah. behind you, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I listened to another podcast, uh, Curious Cases of uh, Brown, or I've forgotten the name, Rutherford and Fry. Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry. It's a BBC uh, podcast. It's two two uh, PhDs, doctors, a, a man and a woman, and they do these really interesting sort of science explorations. But he's on one side of the stereo, and she's on the other side of the other side of the stereo sound. So when you listen to the podcast, like on your your iPhone, normally it's normal, it's the same. But they do the same thing, but they're very distinctly on on one side or the other. And I've heard other other BBC uh, podcasts where you know they definitely put voices across the room, like virtually, to sort of get the the stereo effect, right? So it's it's interesting to, to see what people do with with this kind of technology, as opposed to just firing out an audio mono audio track, right? So, yeah, cool, cool stuff, cool beans. So it'd be interesting to see where this what this. I mean, like I said, the I found the Billie Eilish video is or audio is pretty cool, but like if you listen to it, I what I find annoying is it kind of just it definitely pans left and then pans right, and it pans, you know it'd be more interesting if they had the actual audio the the working master files master tracks and were able to separate out the sounds and and do different things with them, you know. Kind of like Pink Floyd used to do with those instrumentals on Dark Side of the Moon, right? They move from one side to the other as well. Cool stuff. All right. Any more to say about that? I was in a demo room at an undisclosed location at an undisclosed company who showed off, um, I don't know if it's the same technology, but it was a 3D room audio. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really cool. In this case, it was like being at a concert, but like as if I was sitting where mm. the band itself was and I could hear them around me. And that was pretty neat. Sorry, I did this course an audio production. Well, it was an audio production, but it was, it was sort of experimental music um, back in university. And so we, we had like a proper 24-track studio and reel-to-reels and synthesizers and stuff to, to play with. But one of the things they had was these binaural um, head, uh, microphones and they were, you wore them on your head like headphones and uh, the microphones were in a sort of shape like your ear, right? So there was kind of like, so when you recorded things in stereo and then you played it back through these headphones, it was like you were the people that, like, I remember recording some people in my house like and it had like five or six people in the house and when I played back the audio I looked at their at the people and it was like watching a Chinese or Japanese movie because their voices their mouths weren't moving with the voices right that I was hearing back it was so clear like so distinct that I could see that you know that person's over on the left this person's over on the right and I forgot this it was like Sony system or something like that but these these binaural uh, microphones are just amazing in terms of like giving you that 3d effect right 
Moving on. So, um, speaking speaking of, I think we've talked about the top of the show, but uh, there's been a lot of layoffs and things like that. And, and uh, I was chatting with some people on uh, on Twitter this weekend who unfortunately got let go for various reasons because they can't travel and that kind of stuff. Um, so, there's a website here called um, it's basically who's hiring and uh, who's hiring and freezing from the uh, coronavirus, and it's a live update of uh, all the companies out there um, whether they're currently in a hiring freeze or whether they're actually hiring. So if you're in unfortunate position to have, you know, be looking for work, uh, this website is kind of cool. It's got a table here. You can scroll through and find uh, jobs within your um, local neighborhood, you know, uh, and see whether or not they're actually interviewing right now uh, and whether they're laying off or whether they're uh, hiring and that kind of stuff, right? So there's give and take. Some places are freezing and some people are hiring. You know, I'm not going to call it names, but uh, you're welcome to scroll through this and and have a look. There's currently 2,500 or more... 25, a little bit more than 2,500 records in here. Various companies around around the globe. Um, check them out if you're looking for work. Uh, we're happy to post this for you guys, and hopefully you find yourself a job. Any comments? I was looking at my my employer on the list, and like Jack Henry and Associates, and there is a report yeah. from somebody here that says they were told they were moving forward with my application, but had to wait until COVID subsides. That's really unfortunate. Um, Jack Henry is a large company, so I would not be surprised if there was some area that was having an issue like that. Um, I will point out. In and shamelessly plug the fact that the team that I'm on, the Bano team, we are absolutely hiring. We're looking for like software engineering managers, uh, product designers, uh, senior uh, backend software engineer. And we've even got something that I'm a little less clear on, and I'll have to find the manager. Uh, it's called these uh, development apprenticeships. And I think these are sort of like summer internships, but I think you are working more like an apprentice where you're you're being taught, you know, this is how you do uh, software development and um, you learn how to become like a full-time employee and you ultimately mm-hmm. do become one. I've, I've worked with somebody who has gone through that program, so I can find more details on that, but um, absolutely, you know, hit me up if you're uh, if you're interested in learning more. Cool. Alrighty. Uh, on the same vein, um, I was also chatting, with, I found this, uh, again, that person I was talking to on Twitter, um, the, uh, somebody had pointed this website out to me um, way before, even before this this whole thing started, but I remembered um, this person's challenge was he couldn't, couldn't travel, um, but I remember that uh, one of the one of the teammates over at Raywinder like had posted this site called We Work Remotely, and it lists all kinds of jobs. If you're looking for remote work, um, you know, there's certainly you're certainly welcome to have a look at this uh, site again. It's again, it's not specific to iOS. It's all kinds of other other things. Whether you want to be a manager, you're working in Ruby or Java, whatever, uh, different jobs around the world, customer support, QA, all that kind of stuff. Um, like for instance, Word, WordPress is listed on here, and they're um, or it's a, sorry, it's a WordPress technical support, but WordPress is a, is a company that has all remote workers, for example. Um, so have a look at this one, too. We'll post this in the show notes because we work remotely. All right. And since it's, I don't know if it's because of April 1st or not, but, uh, you know, I want to say friend of the show. I'm kind of doubting that now. Paul Hudson, <laughs> Two Straws, okay. uh, has posted a picture here, sort of a, a Where's Waldo kind of graphic, if you haven't seen it, um, called Spot the Swifty. And it's basically, uh, you know, a little, little thing to keep you busy in these uh, troubling times. Um, he's got a lot of pundits from the uh, from the iOS and and uh, tech talk and um, public speaking world uh, some names you'll remember we've talked about a lot of these people in the show we've talked about Erica du- Sadoon uh, Gio Rambo Chris Latner obviously Sarush we've talked about um, John Sundell Natasha the robot Dave DeLong Dave Warner and so these are little uh, uh, drawings of each person Ming To as well uh, Paul Hudson himself Ray Wunderlich's in here Leah Marlott's in here Sean Allen's in here Ben Sherman Ed Kremernick 
uh, Ish is in here, and basically it's like a, a, a hand drawn uh, drawing of I don't know, just a bunch of people building apps and things like that. Mark is convinced that they're all listening to the podcast on their earbuds <laughs> and their HomePods. Um, you know, there's there's a, a Mac Pro running away, running on wheels, escaping. Um, there's one guy in the middle in, in in the white room with the sign that says "Help." He's the only one that's going to survive this particular pandemic because all these people are standing way too close. You know, there's a couple of dogs in here to look for. So it's a fun little game. Um, check it out called uh, Spot the Swifty. And I, I had printed out. speculated yeah, that perhaps we were too recognizable and we would just be no challenge at all whatsoever to really? find folks who... So, I mean, you know, so you got your fedora, I've got my hair, right? I mean, if we're yeah. situated anywhere nearby, you'd easily be able to find Mark. Yeah. Well, so a few, few people here could be Mark. <laughs> <laughs> one, one guy could be Greg, but it's not. Yeah, I see a guy who I thought could be Greg. Yeah. And somebody somebody posted on here, you, you can probably you can probably identify with one of these drawings and so tag yourself on Twitter as well. And I think, was, I don't know if it was this channel, but somebody said that they looked at some of these people and thought, who's that? Was that our conversation? There's some good puns in here too. There's different robots and um, some code. Obviously it was drawn in February 2020. Oh, there's an, um, an alien from um, oh, Space Invaders, right? There's a post note guy from Office Space. I randomly clicked and I found a horrifying scene. So there is a drinks and snacks area right above the Hacking with Swift logo, roughly dead center, a little bit north of that. There is an individual who has their hand get not just caught <laughs> in a vending machine, it is getting mauled. There, oh, it, yeah. there is blood red the and blood lines. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, that's a little unexpected. Yeah. Oh, the cow dog's in here, too. The ma- the, I think the, the funniest pun is the, the map of Japan, or it's actually Brazil, but it says Japan on it, and it says Apple Maps across the bottom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and the top, top right-hand corner, Mark, is a, there's a gravestone that says Rip Air Power. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. I haven't found Erica Sejun yet. Still looking. Let's see. It's not as hard to find Waldo as, as you know, as, sorry, it's not as, as challenging as I find Waldo thing, unless you want to pe- find all the people. Anyway, that's cool. That's from Paul Hudson. Okay, I got one more. One more. So there's a, a tweet that went out uh, this week, and I've, I've been playing around with some of these things to try and figure them out, but, you know, collecting keyboard commands, um, there's uh, this other person who calls himself Timo on um, on the Twitter machine. I've gone by that handle in, ga- in gaming days back in the day, but talks about some uh, keyboard commands that you may or may not know. Um, and, uh, yeah, this this one, uh, the, the one that he talks about with the control A jumps to the beginning of the line and control E jumps to the end of the line, that's in the terminal if you're working away on a keyboard. But um, some interesting things, like uh, one of the ones one of the ones I thought was interesting, I haven't got it to work yet, but apparently you can, um, if you type something in a, in a word processor, and I'm always typing dyslexically, so if you type in T-H-E when you mean to type, type the word the, you can hit control T and it'll apparently it'll transpose the last two characters you typed, which is kind of handy. Um, hmm. I tried it a few places, it didn't always work. Um, the one that Steve Heyman put up here is kind of cool, um, that in Xcode, you can command option uh, square bracket left or command option square bracket right and move. If you select a bunch of text, you can use that command to move the, the, the block of text up and down in your Xcode uh, file. And there's a, an emotion, animation that uh, Timo has posted here um, for that. So kind of a little, kind of interesting little thread where uh, people are posting up their um, their favorite uh, keyboard commands. Check out the link in the show notes. Cool, eh? Yeah, the Xcode one is pretty cool since it re-indents depending on the context yeah. of where you're moving up lines. Yeah, and of course the uh, option U, which will give you the umlaut for your letter U. Hmm, escape to cancel pop-up windows. That's a nice one. I'm a big, like, I'm really loving, I, I love the fact that I've got, I've got the keyboard on the iPad and with the integration with the trackpad and stuff, because like, I'm, I'm always using key commands to switch between apps, and you can use the command tab to switch between different apps on the on the um, on the iPad. You can also do the command 
hand space to bring the search up and it's very mac like from that perspective i haven't figured out how to get xcode running on it though all right i think we got uh, two more to go here so Jaime, you got to pick for us i do and since folks have copious amounts of time given the the shelter in place situation what better time than to catch up on the ios conf singapore videos those are available we've got the list here i think this was from january of this year and i think they do have their call for presentations open for the 2021 edition so if you're looking if you're looking ahead to light at the end of the tunnel i think this will help <laughs> you get along the way there yeah, like the one here. Property wrappers are how Swift decided to become Java. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, some friends of mine, some friends of the show. I think the testing Swift UI and combine will be interesting since those are, I think, sore points, more particularly on the Swift UI side for, for uh-huh. that. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. See how to, to deal with the declarative part. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to stack my um, my picks, but uh, I, I forgot to mention too that there's a bunch of books that came out this week on MMVM with Swift UI. I don't know if you saw those. And some some combined with Swift UI as well. I have not seen that. So model view view model MVVM. Yeah, so I'll, to, I'll post some uh, some links in the show notes for that. So drum roll, please. Mark Rubin has a pick for us, and it's an awesome one. I do have a pick. Like I've said before, I don't have picks often, but when I do, they tend to be pretty good. So this one's a good one, I think. So Dr. Mark Rubin, all he does is catch touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> So long-time iOS developers or Apple developers in general and long-time listeners to the show know that we all have a love-hate relationship with Apple documentation. Sometimes it's good. Often it's really bad. One thing they used to do that was really nice was had this uh, interactive diff anytime new things came out. A new version of iOS or or Xcode would come out and the documentation would have a diff where they'd color code everything that was new in that version. And one color would be something that was new like a new class or a new method or a different color for if the if the class or method were just updated or if it, it was red if it's if it's deprecated or something like that and it was really yeah. easy to just kind of navigate down it started all the way at the top level from the the very broad list of all the all the topics that that our documentation exists for and you could see exactly where there was something new and and drill down and find exactly what methods have changed really really nice thing whenever there's a new version that came out uh, to to tell what's new and, and figure out uh, what you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, Apple just stopped doing that a couple of years back. And it, it was really too bad because it was it was an incredibly useful thing. I mean, everybody knows that every time there's a new version, there's an enormous, potentially an enormous number of things that you have to pay attention to. And sometimes you, if you miss one little thing, your app just stops working for no apparent reason because, you know, something changed with what you know. Well, the good news right. is that as of the version that came out, uh, was it today or a couple of days ago, uh, it is back. The diffs are back, so it's really nice. If you if you go to the developer.apple.com/slash/documentation uh, screen mm-hmm. uh, page, then you will see in the upper right there is a API changes uh, pull down menu, or not a menu, but a but a toggle where you can where you can it, it's uh, initially disabled, but if you hit show, it will turn all the stuff on, and you'll be able to see uh, nicely color coded, oh, like yeah. I said, what's modified, what's added, what's deprecated, and it's this is exactly what they used to have, and it's it's a fantastic thing. I hope Apple keeps it up because I find this incredibly useful and uh, I think a lot of other people do too. So that's my pick. Yeah, nice. Cool. That is awesome. Yeah, I just put developer.apple.com documentation in. That's cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for yet another week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev 
over the hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm at markr at smapsoft.com. And every week, as I said, since for the last six years, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Adieu. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Tim, every time for the past six years you've spelled your last name, yeah. I have to confess. I think of the people that when I went to college who were the ones who uh, were the resident uh, advisors in the dorms. Yeah. M-I-T-R-A. Every time you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't help it. Right. That's just where my mind goes when you spell it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's okay. Yep. So unfortunately, there's um, Agfa owns uh, Mitra.com because it's, it's medical imaging mm. something rather mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. That was, always bugged me that I could never registered mitra.com uh, yeah well that's a pretty common yeah. name too so likely somebody else would have come up with it first right possibly yeah. yeah depends on where you're from but i mean i've been on the internet since like you know 2000 or something earlier yeah, early times so and you're in canada people... so it's probably a little easier than, than here yeah. yeah but but agfa owns mitra.ca and mitra.com hmm. yeah, yeah they, they snapped that up early or they bought it from, actually, or from whoever got it maybe maybe yeah. but i but i've been to i've been to the, actually i've been to the place where that that lives too hmm. trying to see if T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, if I spell that correctly, phonetically.com. I don't think that exists. Wow. The phonetic, the phonetic spelling out. <laughs> T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. Well, it's funny. It's funny, you know, that you, you got that there because when I, uh, there was a point there where I had on my card, people used to say it guy and they could never figure out what it was. I actually wrote phonetically IT guy on the card. Yeah, like, this I did, is... like I did with my, when the iPhone 10 came out and on my uh, signature at work, I had iPhone 10 spelled out phonetically. So that people could see that it's not iPhone X. Mm. It's funny they they very rarely say that now. After it's taken me three years to get them to break them of that habit, but yeah, they don't. You know, whatever. It's tough, and everybody's choosing X's around this time. You know, the Xbox yeah. uh, Series X, I think, is X. I wonder if it's because the iPhone 11 is out now. It's just more right. natural to start using numbers again because mm. it's you know when yeah. it was the when it was when it was uh, written as XS. Yes, yes, or 10s. Well, that's why I said written. It's it, it's, it's always been written as an XS. You know, it said 10S, but it was written as XS. It was letters. So, yeah, so people were naturally... Xs. iPhone Xs, yeah. Yeah, but now that it's iPhone 11, and what was the previous model? Oh, yeah, iPhone 10. It's just natural, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. filling in the blanks uh, yeah. retroactively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens to 
the newer iPhone SE replacement, there's the, there's bets to be taken as to whether they'll go with iPhone 9 as the uh, the cheaper model there. It'll never happen because 7, 8, 9. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do you think the uh, rumored SE2 will actually be the 9? Hmm. I kind of wonder about that. It's really unclear if it's a whole new model yeah. for 9. Uh, like, I don't, I don't recall. What did they do with the 10R in this 11 and 11 Pro year? Why wouldn't they go 10 Junior? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> or 10 Lite. Yeah. Oh, no, well, there was. Yeah. Oh, did, do they still sell the 10R? I don't even know. It might yeah. still be in the lineup, tenor, but tenor? did they, did they re- like the original did, 10R, did but they, did they rev, did they rev it? the 10R at all? Because this year they, they actually had three different phones, right? They had the 11, the 11 Pro, and the 11 Pro Max, mm-hmm. right? So did the 10R just become the 11? Yeah, the 10R is still on the, on the menu. So we got, we got 11 Pro. Yeah. You've got 11. Yeah. You got 10R, 8, and that's it. So 8 is the is the bottom of the line uh, phone right now. Yeah. So it still exists as a model, but it didn't oh, did get it, a new did it thing get spec to replace bumped, it. It's, did it get yeah, spec it's, bumped? it's replacement, if I took what Mark said, is the 11. So like the equivalent spot in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And then all the older models kind of shuffle off into the background. It would be kind of weird now to come out with a 9. It would seem like they were going backwards. Apple doesn't like to do that. Mm. It's a weird one ever since they created the 10. Yeah. Jumping over the nine, that it leaves a weirdness. Well, why did they do the 10? Is it because it was lined up with the 10th anniversary or something? Or that was 2017, right? I think that was the story. And then it kind of is nice to do something different since the phone is so different with Face ID and the notch. Mm-hmm. So I could, I could see that. Was it 10 and 8 that were in the same year? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So 10 and 8, so that was in 2017. So then 2018 was 10S and 10R, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then this year was the 11, 11s and 11 Pros. And the 11 Pro Max, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the weird year was when they had the 8 and the 10 in the same year with yeah. no 9. Number 9? Number 9. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that could be the theme song <laughs> for it. <laughs> I was like, go, go call Yoko Ono. What, 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 how, how can we license this? Yeah. 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 Actually, it's not Yoko Ono. It's the estate of Michael Jackson. Oh, that's right. Unless somebody else. No, no, it's somebody else because I was reading about uh, the movie we talked about last year, last week. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. DB. Get the IMDb app out on my iPad here. I was using a key, keyboard command to invoke uh, IMDb. Uh, the publishing rights to most of the Beatles catalog are owned by Sony ATV, a joint venture between the late Michael Jackson and the music arm of Sony Corp. Ooh, really? Yeah. That's as of today? That's as of uh, Wikipedia or is it? Well, or uh, I suppose as of Google. Yeah, because we're talking about the rights of the song. Oh, wait a second. What, when did this happen? They're talking about, I did remember hearing something about this. Paul McCartney finally regains Beatles rights after nearly 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, Sony battle. TV, yeah. So he did buy him back. That's oh, good. Glad to hear that. Ricardi got him back. Yeah, yeah. It says legally, the film filmmakers needed Sony ATV's permission to use the Beatles songs. Oh, really? This is this article was dated July fifth, two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Says well, it says in early two thousand sixteen, Sony announced it would buy out Jackson's fifty percent stake of ATV Music. Uh, but then uh, it says Sony's the holder of the publishing rights right now. The, but but now it's but later in the article it says thus the news over the weekend that Paul McCartney secured the rights to his music in a private settlement was a big win for the former Beatle. Right. So he... Yeah, because that that's what sparked the argument between the two of them, because they were working together, and McCartney said to um, Jackson,
Jackson, you, you should make sure you get the rights to your songs. And, mm. and Jackson went out and bought the Beatles songs. Bought right? the rights to Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> Misheard him, I guess. <laughs> so he said, I'd really like to have my own songs, right? <laughs> so how do you like your 16, uh, Jaime? It's pretty good. I like the fact yeah. that the the density on display is a lot nicer. Um, yeah. the, the touch bar is sort of a non-factor, but I do appreciate the real escape button. Using the Touch ID button is pretty nice to unlock like one password or um, other sort of yeah, Touch ID. Yeah, oh yeah, a little Touch things. ID on mine for sure. Uh, the the new to me but old to everybody else unlocking using Apple Watch is pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it um, works on my yeah, MacBook Air 2013. It is also pretty nice that it's um, a lot faster, if nothing else, for like Zoom. So when we finish the calls, the crunching of all the data and creating all the files is a lot faster than it used to be yeah. with my older machine. So you have the first gen 15, right? First gen 15? What, the Retina 15? Is that what you have? Oh, the, the, yeah, the, the, from 2012, late 2012, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that showed at WWDC. What did you, what did you do with the computer? I still have it. It is my uh, super hmm. emergency backup. Right, it's, right. it's got, um, one of the, the USB ports is not working anymore. Hmm. Um, the battery. Is that the one with the wonky, uh, display? Did you get that fixed? Yeah. No, I never did get it fixed. So it does have the ghosting. Um, or does I? Yeah. Uh, it also has, um, you know, an, an aging battery that yeah. uh, surge power when it's booting up, like you better have it at, at least uh, 50% battery during initial boot. Really? And yeah, yeah, as it's firing up, well, not coming from sleep, thankfully, but mm. coming from boot. And mm-hmm. I think the battery, depending on what you're doing, might just not have enough juice and shut itself down at 45 or oh, really? 25%. Yeah. Just again, if you're browsing the internet, it'll just be 25%. If you're you know, building something in Xcode, you better have 45% or be connected to the uh, the power. Yeah, one of my friends has the same Mac and she's she's now got to do something because she can't get anything to work with the battery at all. She, they were asking me about replacing the battery and, and that particular Mac, it's a nightmare to change the battery apparently because it's glued to the top case mm-hmm. or the key, just under the keyboard, you know? So you have to like pretty much ship the whole Mac down to nothing and then take out the battery. Yeah, it, I think... Never fun. It's, you know, if it's as old as this one, I think just yeah. getting a newer one is a better deal. And I would have gotten something newer you know, a few years ago, I think if we tracked mm-hmm. back on the show, we'd be able to find where I started complaining about it. Um, yeah. But I, I hadn't because right around that time was when we learned the butterfly keyboard was right, rubbish yeah. and I was afraid. And now I'm uh, still wary, but less afraid with these um, yeah. scissor switch. Well, I have two, I have two butterfly keyboard Macs at home right now for my work computers. Right. And uh, they're okay. Yeah. Mind you, um, yeah, not those. I haven't had either one of these two servers. I've had a few of them service but not this one, not these two. But I don't know what, like, if people are really going to the beach with their computers or something or eating Cheetos, like you said, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my work machine is a mid to late 2019 MacBook like Pro, and it does have the butterfly. Mm. Um, I'm a lot less concerned about that because, you know, it's the work machine. IT can always send me a new machine while this one is getting serviced. Right, right. It's more of a hassle with uh, my personal device. So huh. I've got the new, I've migrated the new machine to be the, the time machine or to have time machine backups mm-hmm. um, and now the the original 2012 is probably just going to hang around in the closet or something as a backup for in case anything bad happens to this one hmm. interesting <sighs> 
Yeah, I even moved over my uh, or started new um, iTunes, or I guess not iTunes anymore because it's Catalina, the file system finder based backups for my encrypted backups local for my iPad and my iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I have ostensibly the idea of using like iCloud backup, but I still do like the encrypted local backup because it means I don't have to re log into everything again, which is nice. Less, less of an issue since I've moved so much stuff into one password, but still kind of nice to not have to worry about that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm getting a new computer this year for my birthday, but uh, I'm just holding out to find out if they're going to do a 13 or something, you know. I, I, I want, I like the 13, the 13 Pro st- uh, style and size, and I want the four ports, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like unless they announce something at WWC, you're really not going to be out of the woods wondering about that until October or I guess end of October, I would guess. Yeah. So, Jaime, is it is a 16 good enough that I should just go buy one? Yeah. What, what are you rocking right now? I'm rocking a uh, 2013 MacBook Pro 15. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And you've got the Apple card, so you're going to get the 3%. Percent back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they yeah. end up doing another 6% deal. Um... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.